Welcome, guys, to the MMOs.com podcast, episode 142 here. Altai, with the Meepo hat, joined this week by one, the only... Omer. And I'm glad you had to clarify what the hat was, because I feel like most people have no idea what the hell you're wearing. It is a it is a headpiece I've had for a while, but I have not put it in the rotation. But it is back in the rotation now, so... You know, I've played a lot of Dota 2, and I still don't think I can easily recognize that if I saw someone wearing it. And it's not like... Maybe maybe just don't rock the meepo look really well. You gotta wear the full you know costume. Maybe. And the backpack and the shovel. Then that that would yeah give yeah it yeah. Up. yeah. And, and and you gotta be you know as soon as as soon as people see you they just fucking kill themselves because meepo's unplayable trash in pug games. Meepo's cancer. Yeah, if you see if you see meepo in your game in, in in a pug game, just get the fuck out. You're wasting your time. You're gonna lose. Actually, there's a new rule. Uh, there's a new thing now. If you see a meepo in a low level game, it means you're gonna lose to the meepo because the only people smurf? exactly it's the easiest way to smurf because noobs have no way to, like, they have no idea how to counter it. So. uh all the pros that are smurfing just use Meepo. Oh, interesting. All right. What's our what's our weekly rate this week? Anything spicy? It's something we've covered before, but it's been a while, so it's worth uh, revisiting. Revisiting. All right. So what skills have you learned from MMOs? Uh, so these come into two groups, two two categories of skills, I, I feel. Um, well, well, first of all, all video games teach some skills. like like, But yeah. uh, most of them, like shooters, they focus on one, like the hand-eye coordination, right? If you if you have hand eye coordination and a, and a modicum of like memorization of like where the weapons spawn or whatever, you know you can yeah. rock. But in in MMOs and MMORPGs, you need a lot more skills. And uh, the skills fall into two categories: the social stuff, like the stuff you can't touch, like uh, time management is a huge one, right? Um, mm-hmm. Resource management in the game, and most importantly, probably social skills. You know how to how to deal with people to get what you want. Uh, mm-hmm. So do you want let's talk about those first, Omar? What have you well, learned? Yeah. What did I learn? Well, obviously, hand-eye coordination, which is a freebie. I mean, I think anyone playing, growing up playing video games, you do develop certain skills like twitchy re- reflexes with, from playing all FPS games and everything. And, I, and when we were young, too, actually, I think, um, like, we we actually really, I think, improved our reading abilities just by playing games like Legend of Zelda growing up. Because, like, if you didn't read, like, what to do, like, you just didn't know where to go. You played, like, Ocarina of Time back in the day. Or even, uh, you know, like, Link's Awakening or Link to the Past. If you didn't read, you had no idea where to go next. So we kind of like improve their reading skills by necessity by playing these games because you know real talk kids aren't going to read outside of playing video games. Like if you were a kid growing up like before video games, like after you come home from like grade school, like you're not going to sit home and read books. Just even like color like any like kids book, you're not going to read that shit. But now that we have video games, I think it makes it a lot easier. I know in uh in middle school, I think you you did a science fair project on video games and hand eye coordination. Why don't you tell us the result of that? Well, no, I did the one with the I, would, I did the one on the heart rate more. I think uh, the hand-eye oh, question was okay. you. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. So every year for uh, the science project, I would just do um, the video games and how they affect your heart rate. And my friend, mm-hmm. my friend and I would always just um, bullshit it. Like we just play games, and then we'd say your heart rate goes up during the boss fight. That's it. That was, mm-hmm. that was every year. Boom! There you go. But um, you got a good point with the reading. Uh, I didn't mention that in the weekly read, but my second part of the this weekly read was read was um. What skills are we not learning today in today's games? So later on, I talked about the technical skills we can learn. So things like computer skills. Or when I learned about computers uh, through gaming, uh, you had to you know figure out how to bot or cheat in these games. You had to work. You had to figure out how to make mods work. It's a very mm-hmm. small thing, right? Mods. Uh, and yeah. wow, you needed so many different mods. And it took a little bit of computer skill. You'd like drag and drop to the proper folder, right? It seems simple, yeah. but so many games today don't allow mods. They actually they're forbidden in games like Final Fantasy, right? Yeah, you're not allowed to use them. So that might seem like a small thing, but I really think it has an effect on today's, you know, gamer population. They're gonna have less technical skills, on average, 
than like our generation because it's so much things certain things you know tinkering is not allowed in today's games and things have gotten easier you remember back in the day when we played like battlefield 1942 if you want to if you want to play battlefield on the pc you have to patch the game and patches back then didn't work the way they do today you can you don't just click on battlefield and auto patches on steam or anything you had to find like you had to go to some random third-party website find the patch version download it extract it and run the exe and you had to tell it where like it was supposed to patch like and and that was actually a big like barrier to a lot of people like people like i had a friend in high school who just, who just couldn't play battlefield because he didn't know how to patch his game i had to come to his house after school to, to patch his game for him so he can play with me so like just learning how to do stuff like that extracting files you know putting the mods in the right folders and getting to the work these are skills like they're very basic computer skills right but there are people that, that, that don't know them like today and i feel like newer gamer states would be hard to learn that as well but just playing games in general on the pc do kind of you know get you to learn that stuff and like diagnosing errors you find like a like you want, you want to play like it, it, it doesn't really happen with mainstream games like WoW or like Elder Scrolls Online. But if you want to play like a Luminary Rise of the Goonzer, for example, this really old shitty game that is actually still alive, you want to play that game, you go to download and play it. You get hit by an error message like missing seven four three dot dll. You gotta like find these dll files on the internet, put them into your system thirty two folder. It, it's a whole process to get them to work. You gotta do you gotta download these old runtime environments and stuff, and just getting that shit to work. You know. Diagnosing, diagnosing those errors makes you more familiar with PCs and just gets you more technologically savvy, I would say. Yeah, I know someone who actually got a job in the tech uh, industry now, and he got to start uh, learning the code in RuneScape, like writing bots and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that is not possible today uh, because these games just don't allow modifications or they're more uptight about botting. Obviously, some of it's good. You know, you don't, Yeah. There's been improvement in some places, but there is a cost to that improvement, and uh, it does it does show. Now, here's a better question, though. I, I do think today's world is probably better because the g- gaming is more accessible. Like, if you require everyone to have, you know, decent computer skills just to patch their game, that means most people just can't play your game. Yeah. So a game like Fortnite, where you just have to, you know, launch the game and play, is obviously a lot bigger than any game, you know, from our childhood because of the technical barriers there. Mm-hmm. And beyond just te- technical skills, I think the social skills are very important, especially for somebody like me. I mean, pretty much growing up, uh, I wasn't, like, very social uh, in school and stuff. And the only, like, some of the most, like, the time I spent interacting with people the most was with, always with MMORPGs and online games. You know, you could play, we play Legend of Zelda and stuff and Donkey Kong on our SNES and N64. But those games, you know, it was just my brother and me. It was when we started playing online that we really started, like, I would say developing social skills. I mean, you would still, like, talk to people at school as necessary, but... I really got to know people and the way people think. And I learned, like, the kinds of people there are out there and, like, what you can say in conversations like what's normal what's not normal what kind of people there are how to like how to talk to certain people in different ways depending on who you're talking to what your audiences are all from playing mrpgs i think a lot of people that are just like, w- w- introverts mrpgs are really a great way to develop skills for them like social skills because i really don't talk to many people in, re- in real life but i I, I'm, I can still do it i'm comfortable doing it because i've experienced and played mrpgs for so long like, if i didn't play online games i think it'd be very awkward in real life but because i've played these online games forever my my real life encounters are just way more like smooth i definitely think you can learn in a safe environment like in a game mm-hmm. if you die or whatever you don't lose anything you're not actually getting hurt you can learn who to trust what to look out for like how to spot a liar like, yeah like not even like intentional like i'm not talking about scams we talk about scams all the time so i don't want to talk about that again yeah but just somebody like let's say like you, you, you like, some guy tells you in a game like okay guys let's, let's like at 5 p.m. let's go hunt together in this dungeon right and this guy mm-hmm. is never on time he's always late you know he's, he's never on time he, he's always making plans he never shows up 
you kind of learn to deal with people like this and how to filter them out, maybe not spend so much time with them, mm-hmm. find people who you know more align with your you know way of seeing things. Uh, so you can learn all this from a game at a young age. And I think it was especially important when we were kids because we didn't have – I really feel like today kids have it so easy with things like Uber. Mm-hmm. We, grew up in, we grew up in the suburbs. And if one of our parents didn't like take us somewhere, like to the movie theater, we just couldn't go because it was too far to walk. Mm-hmm. But you know, with today, kids can just Uber around. So for us, the only way to communicate, whether it was classmates or people online, uh, random people, was was through these games. Like we just couldn't like, go to each other's houses whenever we we, we wanted. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, do, do the parents said just let their kids Uber? Okay, wait, does Uber even allow like a twelve year old to Uber by themselves? I, I, I doubt it. I maybe, maybe who knows? Yeah. But I mean, not just that. Too, you learn like the the benefits of teamwork and stuff. Like as silly it is, like just raiding in the world, like vanilla World of Warcraft. Like, and even when we play Ultima Online, I remember like you learn the, the the benefits of teamwork in these online games because if you wanted to buy a house in Ultima Online, you like as a newbie, as a new player, it was very difficult. You had to basically chop trees for like forever and sell the logs for literally hours and hours and hours on end. And like I remember you, me, and like two of your friends, some of my friends, we all got together in like a private server and we play. We would just basically chop trees all together as a team. And basically, just pull our resources together and be able to buy a house very quickly before all the good spots were taken on like a new new server. So like just the benefits of teamwork, and how to, I don't know, and and more recently for me with World of Warcraft, like that World of, uh, Final Fantasy fourteen, just just learning how to deal with like bad players. Like you have to learn how to control your like frustration too. Like, and MOBAs are great for this too. Like as an outlet for anger and how to deal with these situations, deal with toxic people, deal with bad people, deal with like annoying people. Because like, even if somebody's like not being toxic, they can just be very annoying and frustrating in, like, in, in their own way. And you learn just how to deal with these people in, in a very safe environment where there is no real consequences, you know? You can just stop talking to them. Whereas in real life, you know, if, 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 you, if you haven't encountered these people before, you might, like, start yelling at somebody in real life. Like, you develop these skills online, which is great. Someone, said, someone has a funny comment. I feel all the progress I made socially in MMORPGs, I lost in League. <laughs> <laughs> League is a different beast, all right? It's easy to get just just go shit crazy on League and people when people suck or people are toxic. Yeah, I, I wonder what effect Discord will have. I know, I know we had AOL like instant messaging when we were kids, but mm-hmm. I feel like it's so much easier now to just permanently stay in touch with people. Mm-hmm. Um I wonder what effect that will have. But we've had that since like cell phone and stuff too, permanently in touch with people you can text. You can you know, as soon as you have texting, you have basically hold, hold. permanent contact. We, when we were young, we did not have cell phones. Right? I know. Yeah, we didn't, I know. So I really wonder how that's going to... Yeah, we're showing our age, age. boys. You know, in fact, this whole weekly rage just seems like a a back-of-my-day kind of post when I look back, now that I think about it. No, no, I I do really think people develop social skills on these online games. Like, it just... You see it happen, and it's just... I I, I know it's been unbelievably valuable to me on the the social side and the the tech, the technology side. Like, everything I know about, like, PCs, I learned through the necessity of gaming. Yeah, someone... my PC is selling, like, shit... Someone said, uh, you know, don't trick yourself. You know, coding or whatever is not for everyone. I'm yeah. not even talking about coding. And he's saying that basic computer skills don't have any value. That's not true. That's bullshit. That's, that's yeah. definitely not true. The basic computer skills we learned at the time allowed us to fix people's computers for money as kids. Basically, we would just charge people like 50 bucks to reformat the computer. And like nobody, <laughs> so few people back then knew how to reformat the computer or, or felt safe doing it, right? So we did it for them. We charged them money. Uh, and it's good money. I mean, it's not like we weren't like going to make be millionaires from that. But we were making like what? A couple thousand bucks a month on they, a side. Good money on PC yeah. stuff, yeah. So that's good money. Even even for most adults, it's probably decent money. But uh, for kids, it's great money. Yeah. So don't discount yeah. that. So we kind of talked about toxicity as well. Maybe we can jump to that topic because you, you you read something pretty interesting this week about toxicity in online gaming that maybe you should share. I always like to read about toxicity in online gaming. And here's a great post I found. Um, 
So this is a story about Kotaku about this writer in his group of Overwatch players, the most toxic person actually is a therapist in real life. <laughs> so this guy, he's a professional therapist, right? He's going, mm-hmm. he's studying for his PhD, I guess in psychology or whatever. Uh, and he is the guy who just rages on his, you know, he calls his teammates hot garbage. He complains in all chat about how shitty his teammates are to the team. Like they care. Uh, it's a great read. It's really interesting. And the guy even, um, he sends, uh, he sends, uh, the therapist friend, a, this little worksheet that some other person, Rager filled out and Mm. he's going through it. Uh, so before, after, so the goal is to be, so if you guys can see this, um, Upsetting the, event, bad loss in Overwatch. That is an upsetting event, guys. Yeah, so neg- so negative thoughts. Okay, so they're gonna go going through this together. My teammates are hot garbage, so that makes him eighty <laughs> percent ragey, and his goal is to be only twenty percent ragey. <laughs> Wait, is is this a real like uh, like this, therapist this, form people fill out? Yeah, but this, this is an actual worksheet. Um, wow. For for some kind of, I don't know, for something. I should be higher than silver. Negative thoughts. Yeah, that's a, I can, I can, I mean, that would be upsetting too if I played Overwatch for like hours and hours and I was silver rating. That's like bottom like 15%. What's next? Blizzard always makes me fight Diamond Smurfs. I like that one. That, that makes me 70% angry. It should be only make me 5% angry. It's just so funny, right? Positive third thoughts here. All right, we've got some positives here. I can learn from my mistakes. I, I, yeah, I, I have my is underlined. And I love this one. My, my, my SR is an accurate reflection. Only, he only 80% believes that. There's 20% wiggle room for, uh, you know, my, uh, my MMR is, you know, not, not right. Smurfing isn't actually the problem. Actually, I would disagree with that. I think smurfing is a, pro- a real problem. Yeah, that's true. So, it was nice how many people played tank slash support. I mean, if you're a therapist and you get this, like, to, to help this guy, like, do you not, like, if you don't play Overwatch, they, this means nothing to you. Like, you can't, like, even understand what he's saying. Well, that's true, but, um... My, I, so I read the article. My, ta- my main takeaway was um, the guy. The guy asked him, like, "You're a therapist. If someone else came in with with your thim- you know, with your thought process, like when they get mad when they play the game, what would mm-hmm. you recommend to them?" And the guy obviously doesn't want to like insult himself, so he hedges it. He yeah. says, um, "It would depend. Do they see it as a problem? Because I guess a therapist's job is to just you know, is to fix the problem the, the patient thinks he has, right? So it depends mm-hmm. on your values." And he says, personally, he uses online gaming to vent. So he's okay with, even though he's a therapist, he's okay with just being, you know, a toxic piece of shit in gaming. And that's, <laughs> that's been my defense the whole time. I really think, you know, especially men, they need an outlet. Like, a lot of like, you know, maybe if, if I, had I grew up in the ghetto, you know, on the streets, maybe I would have I went to like the rough and tumble, you know, gym after school and did boxing, you know, to let out my stress. But uh, I, that's, I grew up in this, you know, white suburb. So my, my stress relief is online gaming. And I, I really think as long as you keep it there online, like you don't hound them on. Like there are people who will like annoy people on Facebook, right? They'll like add them or like try to find out their address or whatever. That's all, that's all you know, bad. But if you're just playing a game and you're just yelling at them about the game, in the game, that should be, that's fine. That should not be banned. That should not be too controlled. Because I think if we take away that outlet, there's going to be a lot of young men, boys too, with a lot of rage and just like energy that they can't release productively, so it's an, it's going to show up in other places. What do you think? I do think there there is a benefit for sure about being able to like just vent out. I mean, there are people that say they go to the woods and scream as loud as they can to let their anger out, right? Yeah. But the benefit of that is they're not really yelling at anybody else. But I do really think if like is anyone really hurt 
when you're playing a game of Overwatch and you call somebody hot garbage? Like, is anybody really offended by that? Look, there's a massive difference between being like, yo, you fucking suck, I hate you, and you just, you know, and saying something like, I know your address, it's 774 Maple Street, and I'm going to kill you. Like, that's obviously a no-go. The second one, if you're, if you're out of their address, making real threats, there's some real harm there. But if you just, if you say, you, you hot garbage piece of shit, don't play Mercy, don't play Soldier, he fucking sucks, go play McCree, you're an asshole if you play Soldier, I'm going to throw the game, like, I, I don't, like, Throwing the game, I think, should be banned by itself. But I don't think just yelling at people and being angry in and of itself should be a problem. Especially when a game gives you an outlet to, like, mute that. Like, nobody's hurt in a game where you can just literally mute somebody for, for saying that shit. I, there is definitely a benefit to society to be able to vent this anger out in, in this fashion. So you know what's really messed up uh, about this hmm. whole anti-toxic uh, stuff now? Hmm. How, America's so messed up where you can have guns. Like, you, a PG-13 movie could have people, like, shooting guns at each other, right? Yeah. But, you know, but like, God forbid, like, people are mean to each other, you know, like, in a video game. Like, if you have a video game where people are shooting and killing each other, like, Overwatch. Yeah. Okay? No word should be off limits. Even What's worse? Getting shot in the face or racism? Which one's worse? Like, I, I'd say... Shot, yeah. Uh, so, if you're simulating getting shot in the face, and I, I, and I, and I call, like, let's say you're playing Zenyatta, and I say something racist about your character, Zenyatta. Not you, okay? Like, right? Or, like, if you're playing yeah. Wilson and I... Whatever. I, I mean, that should be totally allowed. If you can shoot each other in a game, if, if you're playing like a you know a game without violence, then then you can say, and I will respect you when you say you can't like be mean to each other. Mm-hmm. Any game you can kill people in, you should be able to be say whatever you want in. I agree. I, I don't know. The 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 limits like the limits they, there should be limits on like threats, violence, and maybe like racist stuff too, because like, that just shines a bad light on the game itself. But just keeping in the game and calling people dumpster fires, there's really, nobody's actually offended by that. Come on, if I say you fucking suck at this game. No, no, I, I think some people are. No, I, I think people report you just to get you banned, but they don't, they're not actually offended. There's no way. I've been told I was shit before in League. I've been told I was shit in Overwatch. I've been told I was shit in Final Fantasy. Everyone's, look, no matter how good you are, how bad you always people will always throw shit at you. And I don't know, you gotta, you, gotta, you just don't let it stick and you're fine. Interesting article that even like, uh, you know, th- these people can rage. Therapists can get upset over this shit too. You know, Overwatch never really made me too ragey. I, I, full disclosure, guys, I, I was a pretty much a big rager in Dota two, right, and Dota yeah. one. But I, I don't know for some reason, uh, Overwatch never really brought that out for me. But uh, if I, I'm reading the comments for this article, and it seems uh, that a lot of people do rage in Overwatch. Uh, they do. I, I would yeah. say less in League though, if I had to guess. I play both a lot, but I think Overwatch has been more. Uh, I, I think it was built more around with like less frustration points built in. Like they thought about toxicity a lot when they designed the game. Hmm. But yeah, good read. Oh, yeah, I really think though, if we start removing this tux, you know, this um, I guess free expression in these games, that uh, people are going to one lose an outlet, and two not learn to just take a few small hits. Like if someone calls you like an idiot or something, just online, whatever, just you know, move on with your life. You don't have to like let it ruin your day. Right, and with uh, Rage and Making Gamer, uh, there is a Fair Play Alliance. A bunch of the big game developers made their own, like, uh, I guess, organization to try combine toxicity online through the Fair Play Alliance. But I, I don't know where that's going to go. You know, this is not something you can't solve human behavior like this. And I, I think you made a funny comment before we started. I don't know, maybe it's not funny, but you said if, if you can't be toxic in online games, you, you said we're going to have more school shootings <laughs> because there's no place to vent it out. You know, I feel like let people vent this shit out. There's definitely a benefit to, uh, you know, the venting process. I, I think we should let like kids just like fight on, on the playground. Like I don't think teachers should uh, get in the way of that. Whoa. Like, okay. I don't know. Maybe that's different. The physical violence. What? What? Little kids. They can't. What are you gonna do? Like flail their little arms? But uh, if yeah, you if you, you poke to the eyes out. Whatever. Like 
or like, play dodgeball or something. Okay, like a wrestling. Right, like wrestling. Fine. Yeah, because if you don't do that, you're gonna there's gonna be a lot of pent up uh, just, just energy that gets released somewhere else, like a school shooting. <laughs> there you I, go. You're here first, boys. Yeah. If you if you if you're not allowed to be uh, toxic on Overwatch, you're gonna increase school shootings. All right. There you go. That's Altai's conclusion from this. I like it. Altai's an uh, expert in the field. I trust his word. All right, I want to take this to a funny, fun, an interesting thing I read uh, the other night. My buddy Cash showed you this. And this actually goes back to an idea I've talked about a lot with uh, MMORPGs and game design and what I would like to see in other MMORPGs. This is about, it's, it's, a, it's a story about Final Fantasy XI, so why don't you just show that in the, in the stream? Okay. Uh, Final Fantasy XI boss causes vomiting? It takes 18 hours to beat. Yes. How does it so cause there's vomiting? A boss, there, 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 there were these guys trying to kill it and like, People were getting sick of being up 18 hours nonstop playing and trying to fight this boss, right? And one of the players reported he, he just started, he felt physically ill after a while, right? And he started vomiting. Okay. So there's a boss in Final Fantasy 11 that literally took over 18 hours to kill. And I'm pretty sure they actually they didn't even kill it. Wow. It was, a group of, like, it was a huge group of people in multiple, like, essentially guilds working to kill this one boss. And, and they couldn't do it. And it's, it's just insane. There's a quote from one of the players. People were passing out and getting physically ill. We decided to end it before we risked turning into a horrible news story about how video games ruin people's lives. So they didn't even, after 18 hours of, of, of battling it, they, they, they gave up. <laughs> and this goes back to my idea before, there should always be content in a game that's like very difficult to clear, like or really stupid difficult to clear. Just because like, the very virtue of having something that's not cleared in a game makes it more interesting in my opinion. But uh, what's funny is, with this in mind, Square Enix has reminded players that players shouldn't let Final Fantasy XI interfere with their school, work, families, or physical health. And that that showed at the beginning of every play session. Seems ironic at best and hypocritical at worst. This is uh this was not uncommon for big games back then. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, they have stuff like this. Eighteen hours, so wow. And that that, that and, and they could even do it. I'm looking yeah. at the actual Wikipedia article. Wiki, not Wikipedia, Wiki article for uh, Final Fantasy for the actual boss it's called Absolute Virtue. And it's basically the problem. Is it heals itself. It's got this really good regen oh. pick, and it heals itself. It makes it very very difficult to, to kill. If you go to the trivia and look look through some of that right now in the trivia over there, it took um. Um, it was unkilled for over three years. Nearly three years after the battle was introduced, it was still not killed. And then Square Enix released a video like giving out hints on how to beat the boss. Right? Apparently, people couldn't. Maybe maybe they couldn't figure it out or something. And people can bitch that the video wasn't helpful and they still couldn't uh, kill the boss. And Absolute Virtue had, on several occasions, been fought and held by Link shells, which is again basically multiple groups of people for over thirty hours trying to defeat it to no avail. So people were trying to battle this boss for over thirty hours. Like, we're talking like huge groups of people because I guess it's it's a, it's a open world boss and they couldn't kill it. And maybe you can just say the boss is really poorly designed if, if literally you couldn't kill it in thirty hours. Like you, that's a, that's a good argument. The boss is just really poorly designed. But the concept of a boss that's so difficult that might take like eight hours to kill, I think is a really cool concept. Like that should, just because it takes eight hours to kill, that'd be awesome. Like I would love to see a boss like one boss like that in the game that maybe the most hardcore tryers can, can try beating or something. Don't you think that makes the game more interesting? I do. It also makes it more of a world. Um, yeah. Yeah. So th it's good to have stuff like that. I remember, like, even even single player games should do stuff like this. Like, what happened to like you know, in Final Fantasy VII? There was the open world. There were those like uh, weapons walking around. Yeah, emerald weapon, ruby yeah. weapon, and stuff. Those were, like optional boss that were like crazy yeah. difficult to yeah, beat. Yeah, yeah. So it's always good to have stuff like that. I agree. Yeah, but, and, like, and you don't have to do it. Is the thing like just having this option in a game would make me like the game a lot more. I, I just I the concept of an unfinished game, like a game where there there is truly something that's left undone. And having played Final Fantasy XIV for so long recently, I played WoW in the past, I played so many MMORPGs. Every MMORPG, this, like, when new content comes out, it's always beaten so quickly. Like, I want there be, there's got to be something in a game that no one has done, you know? Because we, we play MMORPGs, we play these online games to be the hero in our own way. And it sounds very cheesy, but you want to, 
one of the best feelings you have in an online game, from my experience, and when people recognize you as like the person for like for some, something that you've done in the game, like when somebody, oh, you're really good. The, 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 oh, I remember you. I played with you last week. You were like the fucking best black mage I've seen in the game. Like one guy has told me that while I was playing, while I was raiding the other day. Like, man, it feels great to have a black mage that's actually really good and doesn't mess up. Like when you wow. see comments did, like this, did you feel good about yourself? I did, of course, I felt good about myself. Everyone does. And somebody walked up to one of my friends who was just sitting in town and being, holy shit, I wish I could be, I, could, I wish I could be as good as a healer as you. Like, they literally walked up to my friend and said, I, completely randomly, I wish I could be as good as you at this game as a healer. Because they looked at my friend's stats, and they might have played with them before, and they whoa, thought whoa, this whoa, whoa. amazing. You just, you're just writing them out. They're going to get banned too. You can't, you, you can't look at those stats. Come on. I know, I know. But, like, but stuff like that, like, when you get called out, when, like, your, your achievements in a game gets seen... It's one of the best feelings because we play these games for some kind of, you know, like acknowledgement like, of what we can accomplish in that world. Well, yeah, it's Canary's put a good point up. And have you, and obviously, I've heard this from you too. If you're looking for that kind of challenge, why don't you do that little uh, Palace of the Dead thing? You, it's already been done now. Somebody beat it. And it's, it was sold to level 200. And only one person, I believe, in the world has done it so far. And one of my friends has been trying to do it nonstop. You know, as, you know it's, such a, it's such a grindy thing, right? It's not, it's not like. The beauty of these like, achievements, like whether it's this absolute virtue boss or being solo Palace of the Dead level 200, it, it doesn't even have to be like a, a raid. It could be like this, uh, it could be anything really. It, it just, when there's something that no one has done, it just, it gives you something else to strive for in the game. And, it, and it's amazing. And stuff like that is, is one of the reasons to play in more RPGs. You want to be infamous. You want to be known as that guy, you know? When we played Ultima Online, I remember if you saw like certain names in the game, like, oh shit, it's that guy. He's really fucking good. He won that PvP tournament before. Like when people recognize you in the game, it's, it's, it's I think, I think we still have that, but it's, it's kind of fractured now. It's not in game. So like, if you're like a good, like streamer or whatever, right? People mm -hmm. know you, they follow you. It's just yeah. not, it's not all in one game anymore. Like, it's not the same thing either. I do get recognized in Final Fantasy XIV for, for MMOs.com and stuff. But that doesn't really do anything for me because, you know, yeah, I, I obviously enjoy writing the sign and everything. But I want to, I want to, you know, get, if I get recognized, I'd rather get recognized for achievements in the in game. The game. Than, yeah, you know, or, yeah, or, yeah. Some other bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Like the ninja. Like when he plays uh, Fortnite, everyone watches, right? Even yeah. though it's not a more RPG. So you are, you do have that, but it's not. The problem I see with the genre is it's all not in the same world anymore. Mm -hmm. Like we all chat on Discord, we all voice chat on Discord. Uh, we stream on Twitch, and then we play a game, like whatever it is. And then, you know, like, even Final Fantasy, like the stats are on a different website. You got this illegal mod running t to check your DPS while you're talking yeah. on Discord. So, you know, I think what you're saying is kind of going to be lost to the wayside just because of the fractured nature of all the platforms we use to play games today. I'm still looking at that wiki article, and it says, with the increase of the level cap in 75 to its eventual 99, the battle against absolute virtue has been has seen its difficulty significantly reduced. However, defeating it is still considered an achievement by many, and his loot is still prized by most players. So just being this boss, even today, with a higher level cap, is still like... I don't know. The design philosophy to introduce a boss that took 18-plus hours to beat, like, it's amazing. I, I love it. Like, obviously, not everything in the game should be designed this way. And I remember we played EverQuest a lot back in the day, and EverQuest had a lot of little mechanics like this as well, where there were enemies, they were, they were like rare spawns in EverQuest. And the way rare spawns work is they were actually rare spawns. I'm not talking wow rare spawns, like with the silver borders. These 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 rare spawns are supposed to spawn once every like four days, once every seven days. And it wasn't like a preset time. It was when, when it died, there was a, like a spawn timer which random between like three and six days. And I remember I, I literally spent like 45 hours camping this one rare spawn in EverQuest. Like it was completely unnecessary. It was a, it dropped a rare like trading, like something you can use for crafting. And it was worth lots of money. But having these, having these extremes in a game you should have you should not have lots of them by any means like any stretch i mean i do think games have gotten more accessible but having these extremes 
makes the world feel more vibrant and different and just it, it, it makes it more interesting for me. That's one of the reasons I play more RPGs and I want to see more of this stuff in modern RPGs. Well, and Kinaris brings up a great story. I mean, he's told me his story about how he became a Jedi in Star Wars uh, Galaxies. In that game, just you, you, you know, it's a Star Wars game, but you can't play as a Jedi. You have to, uh, it, it was, it's actually a really, there's a Wikipedia article on how to become a Jedi. It's just basically a grueling, like, eight month process of playing, like, 12 to 15 hours a day. Like, you have to, you have to play 12 to 15 hours a day for, like, eight months to be a Jedi in Star Wars Galaxies. But when you saw a Jedi in the world, you're like, holy shit, this guy is a fucking god, you know? It was such a meaningful thing to see one. It was in your party. You see, it was badass, and you can still enjoy the game without being a Jedi. Obviously, I mean, most people weren't Jedi's. It was a tiny percent of the player base. But having these little things in the game, I think, really make MMORPGs magical to me. Well, speaking of uh, both Star Wars and new games, uh, there's some risk of, of uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic might be going under eventually and be replaced. So uh, EA <laughs> reported that they are working on a new open-world game. Uh, set in the Star Wars world, they didn't it's use be MMO. They didn't use the term MMO, but they used open world instead. Because I mean, a lot of games do this these days. Like MMORPG is kind of like a like a taboo. It's word. actually negative. I would say it's a, yeah, using yeah. the word MMO has been basically taboo recently. So yeah. So well, here's the question then. So we don't obviously we don't know much about this just quite yet. Um, but mm-hmm. do you think EA will keep both games up, or will they will they uh, retire? Uh, Star Wars Old Republic to make way for this when it's, when it's closer to release. Oof, I wish I I kind of do some research on it if we can find out how much money Old Republic is making. But if the, if the if the revenue is down, the numbers are down. I, I can easily see it going under. But you know, we I, I don't think they break down the revenues for Old Republic, so it's impossible to know. All we know is it's not in any of the big top tens. There's super data releases, lots of reports. But I think I think if this new game comes out, they might shut down Old Republic because they'll funnel all those players to the new game. You know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think I think it's. Remember, Star Wars, when oh, probably when it came out, it killed uh, Star Wars Galaxies. That mm-hmm. was, you know, they shut that down to not to compete with it. So if they follow that trend again, uh, this might be the end of Star Wars The Old Republic. I, I think people still play The Old Republic, though, but it's... I don't know. I mean, it would seem like really... It would be really a shame to shut it down with you know, how much content there is in the game, the story and everything. Maybe they could probably just put on, like, no more updates, keep it going. Unless they had to pay, like, a, a monthly fee to... The Disney to use the license or something. I'm not sure. Well, they already have like the Universal license from Disney. Yeah. They so they can make any Disney. I mean, any Star Wars game they want. Uh. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if the game stays up, or if it closes. You've also you also wrote an article about another spec. You have a speculation of another game being announced. Uh, oh, it's a big one. It's one yeah. I'm actually pretty hyped about. Uh, Maple Story Two, I think, will be announced uh, on April 14th. Uh, the article's on themos.com, somewhere on the homepage. Yep. But uh, basically. There was there, there was news a while ago. I, I I didn't really think too much of it. Basically, Nexon announced Maple Story Fest. I think like two about fourteen days ago, right? Fourteen days ago, they announced this event where they're gonna you know all things Maple Story. It's their first ever Maple Story Fest. It's just they're gonna talk about the game, do some live Q and A with developers and stuff. The first time the English the developers will be uh, in America, talk about Maple Story, and they also there'll be exclusive announcements, right? And I'm like, eh, it's probably just more Maple Story content, maybe more gotchas or something, right? But literally two days before they announced Maple Story Fest. There was a job posting on uh, on Nexon for a QA tester for for a game, and they mentioned localization as well as part of the QA testing process. So I mean, it was a that that caught me by surprise because that could, that was two days before they announced MapleStory Fest. So I'm trying to link the two events together. They could be announcing MapleStory too uh, on this event because if you look at a few months even before this, it was leading up to another big announcement because in their latest earnings call, 
Nexon's CEO basically said that they are eager to be launching MapleStory 2 globally. They were asked about the Chinese release for the game, and they the, the CEO of Nexon responded basically like the Chinese release is going well, and we're excited to be launching MapleStory 2 globally. So last, so it has to be linked. It's it's got to be linked because what better if it, what better time to announce MapleStory 2 than literally the first ever MapleStory like convention, MapleStory event. That's true. Like this is the event to announce. If you don't announce it now, what the hell are you doing? Like this is the time to announce it. If we don't hear an announcement. Uh, on, on April 14th, I don't think we're going to hear one for a long time. But I, th- I think the stars are aligned. I think we're, we're going to hear something about Mule Story 2 now. Now, we played this, gosh, how long has it been? Let me check. Let me look check. at the video. I'm going to look at the video. Scroll down, the Grand Fest. So, oh, video. so June 2017. So about, about a year ago, we played this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now, do you think it's too late if they do announce it? So if they announce it in April, when are we actually going to get to play it? Maybe they not okay. able to, later this year, I think for sure. These things will move pretty quickly, I think, because look, the Chinese the the Chinese version of Maple Story Two just launched like within the last few months, like they I know December or January just launched. So they're actually you know they're moving they're, they're moving with the Chinese version. And I think the Chinese version is doing better than they expected as well. So I think if they launch the Chinese version, they can launch this for you know it's been out in Korea for years, and they can move quickly if they want to. And I think they've been working on this longer than they've than we know because they first announced a producer. For Maple Story Two in America, in the California office, I think a year and a half ago, it's been a while since that news came out. But they've been, I think they've been working on this game a lot longer, and they've kept it under tight wraps. And we're going to hear about it uh, in April. Do you think it's too late, or do you think this will find a uh, a space? And look, I, I don't want to like create too much hype for Maple Story Two, but I do think the game is very different. You know, this is coming from the guy who's played countless of these free-to-play MMORPGs and paid the MMORPGs. Maple Story Two is truly different. It really mixes these weird elements of like traditional. MMORPG gameplay with like second lifestyle, like but like not like bad second life, where like the unintuitive second life. Life. Yeah, because second life was unintuitive and just really bizarre controls and stuff like that. Where in this you have like mini games, you have these weird like you're seeing a mini game right now in the background video. It's actually really cool. You have a core MMORPG built around these social elements, like these random mini games with player housing in a persistent world with Animal Crossing style like item collection. It's got a lot of little details that I love in MMORPGs done correctly. Like, a lot of little things are done really well. So, it's so different. There really aren't that many other games like this. It just, it's more than just go out there and kill tons of wolves to level up. It's got so much of these extra things, which I think it does really well. So, I'm, I think it'll do well. Do you know when you this know, game I'm, first I'm, came out in Korea? Oh, it's been out for a long time. I know it was not a big success in Korea, though. July 7th, 2015. So by the time we get this game, it will be at least three years old, I think. Over three years old. Yeah, so it. I think, uh, I think, honestly... Had this game been made for mobile, it would have been successful. It just has mm-hmm. a look that I feel like would go well with mobile. But that's not the case. It's going to be a PC game. And uh, I'm going to try it. Uh, but I don't, I'm not very hopeful, to be honest. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of Guild Wars 2, what you're seeing right now. Because Guild Wars 2, they had a lot of fun, like, dynamic world events. Too. I think Guild Wars 2, as an MMORPG, they do a lot right. The leveling process, the dynamic quest, and Guild Wars 2 are amazing. Like, if you apply that to any other MMORPG, it would just make the leveling process better. Like in Guild Wars 2, you had these events you could do where you had to literally race people around the map sometimes. And that was one of your like, side quests in the game. Like, there's lots of little things Maple Story 2 does right and Guild Wars 2 did right as well. So I would love to see it, you know, succeed. And do... it's, We've seen so many MMORPGs do the same shit over and over again. And it, to, a degree, to a degree, it's frustrating. Like, I think Bless, for example, which is coming out in May as a buy-to-play game, like, it's cool, I'm going to play it, but like, it, it doesn't even try to like... It's, it's nothing new, and this is an embarrassing video. I'm watching myself play Maple Story too in this video, and it's, it's awful. I keep falling down. But Bless, Soul Worker, they're not doing anything anything different. 
it's the same stuff we've always seen, and, and that's okay because if you do the same stuff well, and it's you know you can still get an audience and it can still be fun for a while. But at least Maple Story Two is different. At least it's not just another grind fest. It's not just another go kill millions of enemies to level up. It just, it combines all these social elements, these mini games, player housing, Animal Crossing style like item collection with the MMORPG. So we, I, I want to play Blast, but I just you know it's not doing anything special different. We got a sub from Legends Fury ninety two. Thank you. Oh, thank uh, you. There's a there's another piece of news like Mr. Canaris just sent me. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not much because it's years away, but the guys who made Nino Kuni uh, have announced they're working on a MMORPG scale game set in the modern day. So it's cool. Two funny Ooh. things here. One, I love that they call it MMORPG scale. So that doesn't, you, yeah. that doesn't mean MMORPG, right? It just means the scale of an MMORPG. And uh, what? Oh, if you, yeah. But I also love the fact that it's modern day. I feel like we need a lot more modern day era setting MMORPGs. There's too many fantasy, you know, swords and shields games out there. And uh, Chaos actually made a good point too. I feel like one of the big part of BDO being successful was that it actually did a few things different. Yeah, I mean, if you played Black Desert Online or to any other MMORPG, it's like it was actually a different game. It wasn't the same shit we've seen millions of times. Open world persistent game, action combat, you know, basically a real sandbox. You know, and PP was the main driver. It did a lot actually different. It was a good game too, good production value. But do you think this this new, new Kuni Two game, any any uh, released? Is it like years away? going to happen years, years away. away. Okay. I think it's going to happen only because it's a real company like behind it. It's yeah. not like it's not some bullshit. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I I haven't played either of these. You know, Kuni One or Two. But number two is that on PC uh, on Steam? I saw it, and I love the visuals. Um, looks good. I think I think you would like it. You like JRPGs? Yeah, I do. Man, you should play this. I like how you, when you went to YouTube.com, you had a recommended video from Destiny saying, "Am I gay?" Uh, I'm, glad, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad there was any recommended list. I didn't even see that. It was, it was real quality. Nino Kuni, too, Nino Kuni as a whole looks fucking gorgeous. I've seen the trailers for this game. It looks really good, actually. Uh, yeah, it's on Steam. You didn't know that, Cask? BRB buying. Yeah, I, I've seen the trailers. It looks amazing. It's got this very um. What was the person who wrote Spirit Away? Like that look. I saw a character. Ghibli. Ghibli. In a very Ghibli look on some of the characters. Burning Mice. Thank you for the sub. Great Thank name, too. Burning Mice. MMORPG, MMORPG if, scale. If, there you go. If a game is MMORPG scale, is it that by definition MO then? Because if you no. have the scale of an MMORPG, don't you have the MO? No. You could say, what about like something like, a, like an Elder Scrolls game? Like a single-player Elder Scrolls game, like like what like Morrowind oh, or if, Skyrim. If play, hold on, hold on. I don't think Skyrim is MMORPG scale. Really? It's a single-player. It's literally a single-player game. In order to be MMORPG scale, you need to have you need to have a lot of people on the screen. I, That's what you're advertising, aren't you? Like no, MMORPG, I think it, I think it just means like big world, lots of quest, like what? lots of shit to do. That's that's my takeaway. Uh, first of all, well, the, it doesn't mean anything scale. actually, but so it can mean whatever you want sure. it to mean. Yeah. But you would you would call it open world then? I think if you call it open world, you're implying this like. Would you consider Final Fantasy 15 and more PG scale? I wouldn't. It, it's well, got an open I mean, world. Like it's, it's you know, a useless. Giant open world. It's a useless term. But if if it means yeah. anything, yeah, I would probably then I would probably say it is. Yeah. Uh, Robocraft Royale did just launch. Yeah, a bit of a small story with that one actually. The Robocraft Royale is uh, the battle royale version of Robocraft. It just launched on Steam to, uh, yesterday. It launched the buy-to-play game and had like 15 players online. Impossible to find a game because you need 100 players to find a game. No more than 15 people bought that game. And then today they went free to play. Like one day after launch, they went free to play. That was like the shortest like buy to play to free to play transition I've seen. Like they they they, they just gave up on buy to play in like less than twenty four hours. Ripperino. 
Yeah, to be honest, in so many games today, MMORPGs today, you can solo anyway, so uh, why not? I mean, one of the big threads on RMRPG this week is that, like, why do MMORPGs feel like um, single-player games these days? I know Chaos has been playing a lot of Final Fantasy XIV recently, and he can attest to the fact that it feels like a single-player game, because you can do everything solo, basically, until max level. Even max level, only the raids require lots of people. I got some uh, stats uh, from uh, from Steam. You want you want to hear these? Yeah, sure. All right, so here's the one I found interesting. Okay, first, uh, PUBG sold about 28 million copies on Steam. That's a lot of. Wow. Copies. Yeah. Number two was uh, this is last year, by the way, 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, CS:GO sold 12.5 million copies, and CS:GO is old. That's still selling. Yeah, that's an old game. So just from the game sales, they made uh, 120 million dollars in revenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's another good stat. Of the, okay, there are about 291 million Steam accounts currently out there, right? Mm-hmm. Cash Shield, thank you for the resub. Nine months. Wow, big nine months, Cash. Thank you, sir. Anyway, so uh, okay, there's 291 million uh, Steam accounts. 63 that uh, million were created in 2017 alone, and it's probably just for PUBG. From China, yeah. yeah. There are 21,406 games on Steam. Holy shit. Most of them are dukers, though. Yeah. And then over a third of those were added just in 2017. Wow. And can you guess what the median number of games owned by the median account is? How many How many games are there? I'm going to say library? very low. I'm going to say like three. Two. So the, okay. the, the, the median account is two games only. If you have if you have three games on your Steam library, you're you are above average. But that's bullshit because some people have signed up from China just to play PUBG. Yeah. And they only have PUBG in their account. That's why. Yeah. If you take out China, I think you'll get a more meaningful statistic. Well, how about the mean then? The mean, not the median, the mean. And remember, but again, people like me have three hundred games. Well, remember, I, the well, average brought down so much by all these Chinese with one one game. Well, one game doesn't bring it up uh, down as much as people like me bring it up by a ton. Yeah, that's true. Fine, fine. Average. I'm gonna say the average is gonna be eight. Uh, is is ten point eight. Okay. So about 11 games. Okay. Yeah. So if you have more than 11 games, you have more than the mean, the average number of uh, Steam games. Mm-hmm. There you go. Take a look at the this. I, I'd like to somewhat relevant stat about PUBG and Fortnite. Take a look. That was pretty interesting. Let's see. This is the, the stream hours for PUBG versus uh, Fortnite, basically. Stream. Like six months of online viewership for... Okay, I see. Total wow. weekly hours watched on Twitch. So you can see it, uh, 25 million hours for Fortnite. Over 25 million hours. Look how much more it's got than, uh, than PUBG right now. How much, how quickly Fortnite has exploded on the scene. Oh, yeah. Fortnite is like, uh, I'm telling you, it's, gonna be like, it's a huge cultural phenomenon. You need to be bigger than Mi- Minecraft, too? Oh, definitely. Minecraft? Yeah. It's going to be the biggest game ever. Oh, you heard it here first, boys. Uh, Fortnite will be the biggest game ever. Well, wait, actually, not, you didn't hear it first because it already is the biggest game ever, so... No, it's not the biggest game ever. Really? What is? No, definitely not. The, the, the Honor of Kings game in China makes a billion of dollars. It's got like a crazy number of concurrent players. It's not, and, and League is more. League is like three times the player base of Fortnite. Fortnite right is not even out in China yet. I know. When it comes to China, which it will, because remember, guys, Tencent owns over forty percent of Epic Games. Mm-hmm. So it will come to China, and when that happens, oh boy! All right. We should look at this. Uh, th- there's a big MO controversy this week. I didn't get a chance to read too much into it, but maybe we can re- we can we can we can look at it together right now. Take mm-hmm. a look. It's about a RuneScape tournament and how how a Jagex mod was involved, with, a partner with a player who who got re- awarded in game 
ten thousand dollars for winning this tournament, and he he DDoSed everyone or something. Some 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 spicy drama. First of all, I didn't know RuneScape had tournaments. What are they? What yeah. are they, is it PVP or is it like PvP a? Yeah. Okay, okay. You, we, we've watched RuneScape PVP videos, and yeah. it's actually really like really intense. I like you change your armor, you like chug potions, you switch weapons, you do different attacks. It's a very involved experience. So okay, I'm gonna put the audio up. Okay. Yeah, uh, but you, you don't really need the audio. Just make it Fine. very little bit, maybe. Fine. Make Fine. the audio really light. Okay. This is a uh, frontline exposes two years of ROT and mod jet DDoSing, doxing, and doing all this shit. It's actually like it's such an over over dramatized version of like these events that went that, that are going on. And it's pretty bizarre that like in a, in a tournament where players were uh, where there was a, there was cheating accusations going on and DDoSing, like why would you award a player? Before investigating that, people are all getting disconnected. And these are allegations made by like lots of real, you know, like Rolling Stones wrote about this. You know, it wasn't just like, it wasn't just MMOs.com or MMOgames.com. The real websites wrote about this. This is okay. So this video, okay. So I guess I don't need the audio. I thought there's, I thought the guy was gonna explain stuff, but it's just, it's just uh, like background music. And there's chat logs and everything of all, all the events going on. But these the chat logs can always be proven like false too. Technically, you can just make your own logs too. I'm sure. Okay, so basically, yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's, so, a, it's a big conspiracy. It runs deep, and there's, there's serious censorship going on right now on the the RuneScape subreddit. Man, all so this guy risked his job at Jagex for, for like a fifteen for a split of a fifteen thousand dollar tournament. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Doesn't seem like a good deal. Uh, my favorite part is we skip to like four minutes, four minutes, four eleven, and just just watch at four eleven. Okay, Actually, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, RuneScape is a game. About how much cheating you can get away with. And it's been that way for a long time. Yeah, it has. Botting has always been part of that game. Go to like 411. You, you have quotes from Malcolm X. The American power structure? No. The French power structure? No. You know you, you, know you go a little over drama when you're, when you're putting Malcolm X quotes in your video. Somebody about, takes uh, uh, RuneScape Rune way too seriously. About Western power structures and stuff. What color you I want. like it. It's some real, it's some spicy drama. You, you, you don't get too much like TMZ style drama going on in the MO world, but it, it, when it happens, it can be spicy. But I feel like anytime you're censoring this kind of stuff, it's automatically like admission of guilt. Like if you let people discuss it at least, like if if you're censoring, you're kind of admitting that like they're probably right. All right, that's enough of this for now. This is just too cringy for me with this uh, Malcolm X stuff. Malcolm X quotes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> pretty funny any other uh stories for the week hmm i played a little bit more soul worker last night actually talked really? a little bit more about that that's still actually like you know, maybe we don't give it enough attention but that's actually one of the biggest like mrpg launches of the year like we kind of you know we kind of wrote it off pretty quickly but that game's got over four thousand people playing it right now 24 hour peak of six thousand seven hundred compared to games like closers and critica it's got like 10 times their player base so people people are playing soul worker and I, I do want to say, I had some fun last night playing this. I played for a couple hours last night just on my own for fun. And the, well, I played because Final Fantasy XIV servers were on maintenance. But I played this because while well, that was down, and it made me do something in a more PG. I don't, especially free to play more, but I haven't done in a long time. I actually, I did when, after I disenchanted all my loot. I actually sold it in the auction house, and, I, and then I bought like other gear. I, I actually shopped for gear. I looked at the skills. I looked like I actually optimized my character. So often when I play Critica or you know free to play games in the early experience, at no time do you ever worry about your gear because it's brain dead easy. 
and there's no reason to worry about your gear because everything just dies easily. It just, the gear's not a big upgrade. But in Soul Worker, I felt like okay, I got I got to you know I got to be level 30 so I can wear this new epic gear I just got or I just bought rather this legendary gear. I was looking forward to actually leveling up to get my new gear because it made a big difference. And the difficulty was actually a little bit there. You do you don't just die right away. So there's a lot of little things I would say Soul Worker does right. Like a lot of, I would say one of the reasons it's it's doing so well too is because it's more difficult. I think people are tired of being able to close their eyes and face roll through Critica and, and closers. I mean, both games are very similar in premise. Like, they're basically the same game. These anime-inspired uh, instance dungeon persistent hub games. But the only real difference is this one's actually a little bit more challenging, which makes the progression more meaningful. I mean, I, I think people... I mean, beyond that, they're real, what's different? It's the same games. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I feel like they're too similar, these kind of games. Like, yeah, you're right. This one... I'd rather play Soul Worker than Closers, but neither is really uh, is my cup of tea. I, I had to grind because there's some really weird pacing problems in Soul Worker where like you 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 run out of quests to do and you got to literally go grind like a level before you go to the next quest. But like even that, like I don't know. I I, I played last night and I was actually having fun, just just grinding by myself. You know, I wasn't talking to anyone. I was I was I was listening to YouTube videos of Destiny while while playing some Soul Worker and I had a blast. And it's it's because I felt like okay, you know. When I level up, I can get more gear. I want to get this gear. You know, I looked forward to actually getting new gear. Something you don't like. In most MRPGs, it's only when you get to late game, when you get to end game, are you actually worried about gear upgrades? Because basically, any gear upgrades pre late end game is, is a waste of time. We we played closers together. We played uh, critical together, and then it was always you know, anytime I have weapon upgrades, I don't even bother equipping. Like, who cares? Like, why should I even go to my inventory and equip this gear? It makes no difference. Everything's getting one shot anyway. That's not the case in Soul Work, and I do want to give props for that. They do have that little difficulty there, and it makes you appreciate the progression more. And that's something that, that you know, I think WoW needs to do in the early game better as well. Final Legend 14 in the early game, you know, any modern game, just the early game just feels so boring because there's no reason to look for gear. Like you want to get stronger, but getting stronger doesn't mean shit when the game is easy peasy. Uh, this well, today saw another game come out. Uh, Soul Worker hmm. is a new-ish game, but we also have uh, Shroud of the Avatar more. We played this. Oh, if that, that's a big one. It's a big release. When did we play this? We played this in 2017, but it's been playable for years before that. Yeah. And now it is officially released. No more early access. Um, and I, okay, I haven't. Do we do we own copies of this, or did we do it to trial last time? I think we were an early access. Copy. We might have a copy of it. We, we, we'll definitely play this again for Grand Fest Friday, though, one way or another. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's. I feel like. I suspect it hasn't changed much since we played. No. But I could definitely yeah, I, be wrong. So we'll see. I suspect it hasn't. I mean, they optimized the frame rates and stuff, made some graphics a little bit shinier in some parts. But the biggest problem with Shadow of the Avatar, for me, has always been just the the way you interact with the game. The UI and, like, the jankiness of, like, movement and just things not being obvious. Like, there are... There's, there's a lot of depth to games like Shroud of the Avatar and Project Gorgon. Those games have depth. There's something there. But they're just not user-friendly. They just, they just really fall... F- flat when it comes to just being able to access the game without being you know you have to spend like 20 minutes fiddling with an interface to know what the hell's going on in Shroud the Avatar to find certain things that was my biggest concern with the game and I don't think it's gonna be fixed and, and and it shows the game you know it just launched on you know this game's been in development for like years now and it, it's been by Richard Gary the guy that made Ultima Online he's, he's a big name in the industry but it's only got 500 players on Steam checking it out right now and that's on launch day where you had like 10,000 people playing Soul Worker Online like Obviously, Shroud of the Avatar is a much more innovative game, and it's trying to do way more different things than Soul Work ever did. But, I mean, it's, it's sad to see so few people playing it. And one of the reasons, it's just, it just got really... 
they, they fucked up the most important thing is, is the UI. It's just not, it was it was just not intuitive. Well, there's a free trial, so yeah. uh, maybe we'll just try that. Yeah, uh, they've had a free trial for a long time because they realize you know they want people to test the game, but they can't do it to get people to pay. But the free trial is gonna definitely let people get in. But now we'll see how many of these new players that, that jumped in with the with the launch will stay around, will stick around. And I'm not optimistic, unfortunately. I mean, I, I love the premise of the game because again, it's so much like Ultima Online, it's so much like RuneScape, so much like you know these older games. And they, they do it does a lot right, but the UI just sucks. You can't get over that, you know. If your UI sucks, it doesn't matter how good your game is. You know, if, if the primary way you you interface with your game is shit, it's tough. It's gonna be tough. It it really hasn't seen much of a bounce um, on on Steam at least this game. No, even with the, even with the launch. Yeah, that's a shame. If you invested in Portalarium because they did the equity crowdfunding, I feel like your money is toast. Is Ripperino already <laughs> thoughts? Uh, have any of those things paid off? I doubt. I mean, it. The, well, it's 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 rough because like there really weren't too many games where you could get an equity stake. I know they Crowfall do it as well. I know for a fact yeah. you can invest in Shroud the Avatar and get a piece of the company that makes it. So it's like Kickstarter, but you actually get a piece of the company, which is actually we, we talked about in a previous podcast. And I think Crowfall might have done it as well. So the only two games where you could yeah. have done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Equity investing. It, it's a cool concept, but I don't think you know. I don't think the reason you do this. If you if you were if you're trying to the only reason you're um the only reason you, you open your door to equity crowdfunding like this is because you can't raise money from other people you have to kind of reach out to everyone else like openly like this so it's not a good sign typically when you're doing this I, I would say it's generally not a good sign. but I, I didn't invest in either game and honestly I, I wouldn't like I don't know well do you know what game is minting money hmm. uh Fortnite it's made five million dollars in its first ten days on mobile. And remember, it's only iOS, Ooh. and it's only by invitation right now. Wow. So, but the invitation is kind of bullshit, you know. Everyone basically, if you apply to to the Fortnite mobile, you get you get in within like a few days anyway. Really? Plus, when you once you get in, you get like three invite codes. Yeah, okay. I, invited, I, I I I signed up like a day, and I got invited like two days afterwards. I got emails saying I'm in, and then I got three invites. So it's pretty easy to get in. But but it is definitely like most people aren't even going to apply when they see the invite only thing. You know, yeah. you can't. I think you have to sign up on their on their website or something too, so you can't even do it from the app. So it's it's minting money. I think obviously Fortnite is gonna be huge. There's no doubt in my mind that Fortnite is gonna be like one of the biggest games ever. We play we played Horizon Zero Horizon Source the other the other day. That game is real quality. Well before we get off uh this here's a good chart right here. So this is this is I know it says worldwide, but it's not really worldwide. This is this is not including China. Mm. Okay. So this is Fortnite revenue mobile compared to Knives Out and Rules of Survival. So it's clearly dominating these two games. Do it's, you think Fortnite amazing. will surpass PUBG? Uh, Miss Kappa Girl, it, it already has uh, surpassed PUBG. Mm. Under every metric, concurrent players, uh, revenue, etc. I must rush be uh, yeah. Pixar did just launch today. Uh, we covered the the. I wrote about the launch date being today, like a week ago. I haven't played it yet though. I'm, I asked him for a free CD. I asked him for a free key though if I can get in. I do want to give it a try though. This looks like a uh, Trove. It's basically uh, Ark Survival Evolved, but with yeah. like Trove graphics. It's, oh, yeah. It looks nice though, doesn't it? I, I, I like the visuals a lot. I, I actually love that that the voxel art style. I think it's beautiful. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Miss Kappa Girl. That's right. Because Fortnite is so popular on the phone right now that it's causing huge issues in schools across America. People that are was like, a great read. I yeah, people are, that. yeah, people are bringing down like the classroom Wi-Fi. 
uh, kids are just playing in class instead of like you know paying attention to the teacher. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. Another big, another small drama this week is uh, people are complaining about Black Desert Online being super laggy again. I mentioned that to you last week. Did you give me a good explanation of why that's happening? If you want to run people through that. Yeah, yeah. So apparently, um, the publisher for Black Desert Online in the West, they have a two-year hosting contract with some really shitty company, and that's like mm-hmm. the reason they're not, and they can't easily get out of it because they're like prepaid or they're in a contractual agreement, and it's probably millions of dollars. So often, as players, you know, we complain, we say stuff like, "Well." Why the servers lag? It's so easy to fix. Just add more servers. The thing is, they're not they're not running the servers. They're paying a third party, with you know, to, to handle it. And the third party is doing a bad job. But they have a contractual agreement that they can't you know weasel out of. So you know they're kind of stuck until that contract's over. And take a look at take a look at this right now. For example, I linked you a, a Reddit thread about to anyone who wants to try BDO. Look at the BDO in a nutshell. This video and how just laggy it is. This is a you know well-known streamer playing BDO. And just just look how like janky it becomes, like how unplayably bad it. It's like it, it's real bad, especially in a game that kind of has an open world like PvP in it with siege and stuff. If you have these like lag problems, it just it's really, it just it's something else. Uh, it's the servers just shit, and you get kicked off all the time too. Oh, it's, it seems it bizarre that this is uh like this this can still happen after, and, and this game is so popular. If the game is insanely popular. They're making so much money, and even with the with the concern that they have, they con- they con- contract out the servers for like two years at a time. It, it doesn't make sense. If the game is that popular, just just literally switch to another host and keep paying the old one if you have to. You know, web hosting as a percent of your cost is not huge anyway. How do you know? Could uh, could you could you buy a dedicated up, server? Hold up, hold up. Well, if you're the publisher, I I would argue it is the majority of your cost. No way. Publisher, what? the customer support is the, is the biggest cost for a free game. They got, they don't got no customer support. Whatever. The hosting is cheap as hell. I'll tell you. What? I don't think it's cheap. You can buy a two thousand dollars machine and and co uh, co place in a data center for like hundred bucks a month. If you if you do if you if you're the programmer if you don't want to do any of that shit you you don't want to work for it yeah. A, a top tier dedicated rig is like two hundred fifty bucks a month. And, and like ten of those you're good to go. I don't think ten of those and you're good to go though. That's the thing. Even like uh, you know on a, for for web 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 hosting for example is obscenely cheap. If you, you know, the biggest websites even, such a small percent of their cost. I remember back in the MOHA days, we had like tons of traffic on MOHA.com. Our, our web hosting was like $200 a month. 200 bucks a month. It's nothing. I don't, I don't think, I don't think the cost is comparable. I don't think the cost is comparable for like a website and like a, something like this. A game? Yeah. I think it's, I, I think web hosting is still a tiny percent of their cost. There's no way otherwise. Customer service would be the bigger cost. Or literally anything else. Having a, having one mod on their, uh, like, your community volunteer community mod if you pay a full-time salary like 40 50 grand a year that's gonna be more than that there's no way black desert online is spending more than 50 grand a year on web hosting in america anyway no way impossible yeah i, I don't know I, I think i think i think it's yeah well I, again i don't know what i don't know if this, what this guy's saying is true either make dirty but i do think he has a point i don't think it's the same kind of server it doesn't have to there's no way they spend more than 50 grand a year on, on web hosting a year this game. i think they're i think they yeah. do well, I guess we gotta we gotta Google it out, boys. Maybe in the post game. You know what we can do? We can, in the post game, I'll look up the. I know the guys that make Aura Kingdom. Uh, they publish their annual reports and their publicly traded, so we can look at their web hosting costs and see what it is. If they break it down that way. Okay, we can check that out. But I don't know, I, it it seems insane that they're making all the they have all these players and then they're pissing off their players by, you know, this this bullshit hosting this this connection problem. I don't know. It's pretty bad.
And this guy spent like 400 bucks on the game. And if he's getting kicked out during like PvP and stuff, that's pretty unacceptable. Uh, I got another thing that you might find unacceptable. So you played Sea of Thieves, right? Mm-hmm. So they were planning on adding a death tax in Sea of Thieves, where if you die, you're not, you know, you're not shipped on dead ship. Yeah, that'd be better. That would make sense. Uh, they were going to add it. They said they were, and then there was a community outcry. What? So people said uh, it doesn't make any sense for death to be punished. What? Okay, so Sea of Thieves. We should. I mean, I, I've been playing this game a little bit in the last week, and it's actually really dumb because when you die in Sea of Thieves, there's literally zero penalty. Zero. Nothing. Not nada. You, you respawn like 15 seconds. There's no loss. It's literally the dumbest thing ever. That that if you don't penalize for it, that's actually one of the one of the things I hate about the game from the get go. Like it, it makes it so meaningless to die. Like something, I'll just get myself killed to like come back to my ship faster. Because who cares? You lose nothing for it. Sea of Thieves is an interesting concept for a game, but there's there's not enough stuff to do in the game. I feel like most people that are still playing Sea of Thieves on on Twitch are just playing it because they're paid to play. I don't know. You play that game for like a, a day or two, you're done. You know, you've experienced everything there is to do. There's nothing after. There's nothing to do after playing for a day or two. It's a very shallow game. After the first day, it's a cool concept, but there's not. I don't know. There's not much to do after one day. You're done. I think they were smart to charge sixty bucks for it while the hype was there. I bet they sold a lot of copies to a lot of people who are not going to play after the first week. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Amazon game lift pricing. Where's my list? Okay, here we go. Okay, monthly on demand with auto scaling. I don't know what this means though. I see. I see. I see. Two hundred thirty-five bucks a month. Eighteen hundred bucks a month. Let's get. Let, look at the large package. The most expensive package on there. Someone's gonna have to walk us through this, boys. I don't know what these. I, I see two thousand. I see two thousand dollars a month is the most expensive. Plus uh, hourly on demand. There's a monthly on demand over there. I don't know. A lot of numbers. Yeah, I I, a lot I, of numbers. I, I can't really get my my mind around this. Also, all, come on. All I know, Mars, it's a lot more than you think. Hold on, we we hosted we we hosted Ragnarok Online private servers at our at our home computer with our regular internet connection. That's the different. same shit. No, the, why is that different? That's so different. Come there on. There are Rootskeep private servers. Wild, I can host a wild private server today on my regular home connection and, and easily support like fifty players online with our home. Fifty? Wow. Do you know how many BDO has? Over tens ten thousand. Yeah, tens of thousands. Yeah, yeah. But guess what? I, I have I have a regular. I, I'm not in a data center. I don't have the high bandwidth pipes. You know, we have a regular home internet connection. With lower, only 30 megabits upload speeds, do you can't? No, I, I if you can hold, I, there are, you know, there are, there was, there was, a, there was, a, there was, um, a, was there a RuneScape? No, RuneScape, uh, Minecraft server. They talked about their hosting costs. I forgot what it was. Can you host Meten 2? That is a real question. Thank you for asking yeah, that. No, Meten 2 is too glorious to host on a self computer, a home computer. Um, I think, I think you're totally off on this IMO, but again, I don't know. So, so why would a wild private server? be different than uh because wow was made in 2004 and the coding in the database and the um, server to client like connection uh like system was written to accommodate 2004 internet 2004 computers and you know etc it was so it's kind of like how do i put this like a windows 95 computer right you couldn't mm-hmm. even fit you the whole hard drive wouldn't fit um like windows 10 you know, like it's a it's a totally different uh, infrastructure. I think. Obviously, you got to scale it up to the number of people, but I, I I can only look at like web hosting and hosting private servers for World of Warcraft and stuff like that, and Ragnarok Online, and just scale that up to get an estimate. But again, we we have to look at um the actual numbers. We can find uh like I'm gonna look at Xlogic's annual report right now. Maybe we can find their if they break it down their web hosting costs. 
I don't think it's gonna be as high as you think, though. I think it's gonna be comically low. Okay, that's, I mean, this is an exciting uh, chance to do some research. Uh, yeah. And anything else you want to talk about before we do that research? I'm kind of excited to Google now. I'm, I'm excited to Google as well, actually, because I think I think you're wrong. All right, guys. Well, we're gonna be we got we got side railed here. Uh, we're gonna do some uh, Google foo and yell at each other about how much it costs to run Black Desert Online. Uh, just the hosting part. So stick around if you're watching on Twitch. Otherwise, uh, if you're on YouTube, you're gonna miss out on the fun. But thanks for uh, mm-hmm. thanks for watching. All right, later for YouTube. If I.